chapter 8, Paul's been building and building and talking, and he's been trying to mend the fences between the Jews and the Gentiles, and he's bringing all these things, and yet he finally gets down to the core of who we are. And, cha- and then this chapter unfolds. We're going to look at 11 verses today. And again, for the next four weeks, we're just going to just be peeling through this book. I challenge you in the next few weeks just to read Romans 8 over and over again. Trust me, you will not be wasting your time. So with that, today's verses are on version. If you want to be able to go down to your app to the bottom and check on events, all the verses for today are there and um, are waiting. But in Romans chapter 8, we start off with this. Jeff, if you can switch to my screen, that'd be great. Um, in Romans chapter 8, uh, we start off with this uh, verse. Therefore, um, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love that now. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That now means that Christ has come and fulfilled everything we're about to talk about. There is therefore now. See, something changed. A baby was born in the city of Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary, lived, had a ministry, died, and rose again. And it changes everything. Therefore, There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. Go to the next part. No condemnation. I don't stand condemned. I am a sinner. I have sinned and my sin is vile. And yet because of what he has done, I stand free, justified, cleansed, and no one can condemn me. Oh, they can bring up my sin. They can point to my past. They can point to the things that have happened to me. But Jesus says, no, there's no condemnation on him because of what I've done. Now, when we get to verse 1, you have to say, well, what just happened in in, in chapter 7? In chapter 7, the last two verses say this, wretched man that I am. Paul just says that. Why? Right above that is where Paul goes, the things I don't want to do, I do, and that which I do want to do, I don't do. That whole thing. And he ends that with, what a wretched man that I am. And he's owning that, which all of us have to do. We have to see our sin. But then he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's like, man, this thing is taking me down. This body is hurting me. The choices I make, the things I touch, the things I do, the things I try, it is destroying me. But then he says this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, exclamation point. See, the thing is, is that we're not going to do this in our body. We're not going to do this in our strength. We're not going to will this into being. We're not going to be good enough, try hard enough, do enough good things, pay our taxes on time. We're not. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is this truth. My body, my flesh, has this desire towards sin, but in my mind I'm trying to be like, okay, God, what's your law? What's your law? And then we get back to, there 
is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There was an answer to this body. There was an answer to this mind. There was an answer to this soul, and it was found in Jesus in that now. In that now. For the law of the spirit of life, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We have to understand there was a law. It's a written law. Over 1,600 of them of what you don't touch and what you do touch and what you don't eat and what you do eat and what you do wash and what you don't wash. Where you can go and what day and how much time. There's all these laws. And so what Paul is saying, and by the way, you have to understand, if you know anything about Paul, he loved the law. He was a student of the law. Matter of fact, he was going to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, this is what he was all about. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. He now sees the law for what it really did. The law just said, don't do this, and then my flesh would go, I'm doing it. And we have literally an Old Testament full of people that were told by God, by an angel, by God being in their presence, cloud by day, uh, a fire by night, God in their presence, and yet they would still sin. God said, don't do this. Right there. I mean, if you, I, mean I used to say, man, if you, you had with me a, a, literally a cloud by day that represents God, man, I'd be good. But they represent, they couldn't do it. For the law of the Spirit... Of life set free in Christ Jesus, the law of sin and death. Galatians 3.21, Paul writes in this, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. The promises weren't the problem. The problem was the people trying to keep the promises. To blame the law takes the focus off the real problem, which was the people who couldn't keep the law. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteous would indeed be by the law. If there was a law that could give life, if you did this one law and it gave you life, then the law could have done that. But it couldn't because of our brokenness. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Now listen, the law was not weakened, weakened by the flesh of me. So let me explain this to you. I'm diving with my family down the five. Uh, we're going down to Southern California. Uh, it's down one of those places where you can see forever. And all of a sudden, I see this motorhome shake, shimmy, then flip. I mean, I'm sorry, a trailer on the back. It was a trailer mobile home that was connected to a vehicle. Shake, shimmy, go into the median, flip. I'm far enough away. I'm not in any danger, but I could watch this whole thing unravel. Of course, everyone starts to, sh- to slow down and turn, and people are jumping out trying to help, and the actual the driver got out of the vehicle just fine. And then I saw the problem. It was a massive trailer camper that he had, by the way, being towed by a Toyota RAV4. So let me say something to you. There was nothing wrong with the Toyota RAV4. Does that make sense? The RAV4 did exactly what it was designed to do in the sense of like to drive a few people around in it. It was never designed to then have hooked onto it a three-axle trailer. 
This person just thought they could just hook up this massive trailer to this little car and everything would be fine. And the reality is physics said no. He got out of it just fine, but everything else was destroyed. Let me say this. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh. Again, the law was okay in its essence. The problem was it was being asked to do something it could not do. The law cannot save us from our sins. The law just pointed to what the law was, and it was up to us to keep the law. Could not do. So please, I'm not attacking the law. It's not the point. It's not to make the law evil. Oh, it was so broken. No, it wasn't broken. We're broken. We're broken. And there's the law, and the fact is we can't keep it. We hook onto it, a trailer to a RAV4, and go, what's the problem? It's not going to function. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, I want to make sure you understand this, Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was not sinful. He took on the form of flesh. He took on a body. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. But he used that flesh that was sinless to take on sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus comes in the likeness of flesh, but does not experience sin, but because of his love for us, takes your sin, my sin, upon his body and the flesh on the cross and brings us to rightness. So we get to verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. See, the righteous requirement meant there had to be a sacrifice. The righteous requirement there had to be a payment for all of this, and Jesus was that payment. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And this is where we start getting into Brack's text. It comes down to where you walk. Not the law. Where you walk. Do you walk in the law or do you walk? I'm sorry, do you walk into the flesh or do you walk in the Spirit? Now, this is one of the oldest illustrations I have from the time I was young. Every one of you have heard this probably in a different way or form. You got two dogs. And they're in a fight. Which one's going to win? And the simple answer is the one you feed the most. The one you make stronger. See, that's the, the deal. I have a flesh and I have a spirit. Which one do I feed the most? Which one do I pay attention to? Which one do I focus on? And the beauty of what Christ does is that he comes on and begins to transform us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Listen, you need to grasp this. It is a choice to wake up every morning and go, look, I'm going to go towards things that are spiritual. Am I still going to fall? Yes. Am I still going to be broken? Yes. Am I going to do things? But it's not my drive. It's not my direction. My direction is towards the Spirit. If I wake up in the morning and say, what does my flesh want? What does my flesh want? What does my flesh want? I have a problem because let me tell you something, I will feed my flesh. But if I wake up and say, what does the Spirit want? What does He want to do in me? What does He want to say to me? What does He want to experience through me? Yes, my flesh will still pull me towards acts of sin, but my ultimate drive will be feeding that dog called the Spirit that will be something that grows my life. 
Romans 7, 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. The law held us captive. Again, we were the broken ones. But because there was a law, our sin meant that we couldn't accomplish it. So that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We now walk not by don't touch, don't taste. We now walk by a spirit that says, become like me, close to me, walk in my ways, do what I would do. And when we choose to walk in his ways and go in the direction that he would have us go, things begin to change in our lives. They do. They do. So proud of myself. For one month, I worked out last year. So proud. The first day was amazing. Second day, not so much. Lots of pain, lots of hurt, lots of soreness. You guys know? But I pushed through. I'm not going to tell you how many thousands of push-ups I did. But I, got, I did a little more every day. And did a little more every day. Did a little more every day. And did a little more every day. And did a little more every day. And got to the end, I'm like, wow, look. Man, I doubled what I, I doubled the thousand that I was doing. More like 10. But the idea is, is that in that process, there started to be a transformation. Why? Because I was putting my focus on just a simple thing of just getting up in the morning and for 30 minutes working out. Does that make sense? Simple focus. It's not different. When we start walking in the direction we're supposed to go, we will see things start to change. I saw my body change. I saw my ability, my ability to actually do the workout. Saw things happen. Then another month came. Don't want to get into that. Let's move on with the message. So in that, we need to understand where we're going to walk. So verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. That's simple. I want to have power. I want to have money. I want to have the things. I want to make sure that I'm this. I want to make sure I'm that. And I'm going to put my focus there. And I'm going to put my energy there. And yeah, I have this thing I do when I go to church and that's great. And I'll go and I'll come in on Sunday. But it's not going to bleed into every minute of my day. And it's definitely not going to bleed into anything I'm thinking because I have these things I want to accomplish. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. And it's weird when all of a sudden the thing about my job is my mission field or my school is my mission field or my, or my street is my mission field and I wake up with a different purpose to reach my inner circle or reach with a different purpose to actually do the things that God's called me to do. Then all of a sudden the job and all these other goals become secondary. Still got to go to work, still got to make money, still got to do those things, but they don't become the drive. They don't become the drive. And all of a sudden, what happens is, is that things that I used to think were so important and so significant begin to fall away. Things that I would fight for, now I don't care for as much. Why? Because my focus is in a different place, into a place. But by the way, the Spirit is saying, Jeff, look over here. This is much more valuable than whatever you've been putting your hope into. And I'm telling you, every commercial, every billboard is screaming at you. This is better, this is better, this is better. Is it? Will it? Galatians 6, 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But to the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That reap, that's feeding the dog. What am I going to do? Am I get up every morning and walk towards my spirit? I'm going to walk towards my flesh. What is the first thought I have when I float my feet hit the floor? Is it to walk towards him or to walk towards my own desires? And those are just simple decisions you have to make in the morning. 
And then how do you keep that going all day? And I'm telling you, then you have to understand there's something that helps you. The Spirit, by the way, says I'm going to reside in you and I'm going to be someone who, by the way, is pulling at you. And this is my favorite word, unctioning. That's where we get the word function, right? Unctioning you towards what is good. If we will listen, there becomes the battle. Verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. See, people say, I want life and I want to be peaceful. Well, if you're putting it on the things of this earth and on the things of the flesh, you're not going to get them. Because they'll never satisfy. They just won't. Say they will, but they won't. What we're looking for is found in the spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For the mind that is set on the flesh, what that means is, let me just say, there was no way that a mind set on the flesh could have ever, have ever, have ever done anything with the law of God. Those laws just would have just been ran over like they were by generation and generation of the Jews before For the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God. Why? Because it says, I'm important. What I want is most important, not you. I don't care that you wrote it down. I don't care that you put it on a tablet. I don't care that you gave it to your priest. What I want is more important. And it becomes hostile to God. Because we're in conflict. (laughs) I love two-year-olds. Do you love two-year-olds? I love two-year-olds that are not my two-year-olds. Does that make sense? I think it's great. Because here's what's so funny. One picks up the ball, right? That, by the way, they could care less about five minutes ago. And the other one who, could, by the way, could care less about it five minutes ago, they pick up the ball and now both want the ball. Does that make sense? And it's a full-on fight for the ball. By the way, no one cared until the other one, what? Picked it up. And now the hostility begins. Oh, no, no, no. I want that. I want to have that. I want the joy of that. I want to experience that. Not you. And so God comes along and goes, no, this is what I want for you. And we go, no, 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 I want to have that. I want to have that place. And so we become hostile. I love watching little hostile two-year-olds. They're great. Because they're not mine. And I love watching exasperated moms. They're so embarrassed. And all the rest of us are going, yep, that's what mine did too. (laughs) Sorry, son. Sorry, honey, you're nothing special. Kids are just as simple as the rest of ours. Thank you. And by the way, we just feel better. You're making us feel better about us. Thank you. The mind was sent the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Look at that phrase. Those who are in the flesh. By the way, that means in. That means in process with it. That means doing it. That means that's the lane you've chosen. That means that's the dog you've chosen to feed. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I want to take you right back to the very first verse we started with. Therefore, um, there's therefore now no commendation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, there's a difference. You're either in the flesh or you're in Christ Jesus. It's where you're at. It is where you're at. Where are you in? 
You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So this is where it becomes beautiful. He's writing to these, to um, the people in Romans and said, but I know you. You're not in the flesh. You are feeding the dog of the spirit. You are walking in that. You want there to be glory to God in what you do. You are, however, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In, if in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so that becomes a question. Does God dwell in you? Do you wake up with a desire to become more like him or a desire to feed that flesh and the things that your flesh wants? It really is that simple. Again, please understand, I'm not trying to make it like, oh, it's just simple. It's totally simple just to ignore the flesh. We just got through in chapter 7, Paul goes, the things I want to do, I don't do, right? Please understand, that's Paul speaking. If Paul can't handle it, we're all doomed. Does that make sense? So in that, what does he say? But great through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus comes in. That's the example for us. Jesus didn't come with more laws. As a matter of fact, there were 10, right? There were 10 that we all talked about. Jesus brought down to two, right? He gives more. He just refined them. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But then he did something pretty amazing. I'm not here to give you more written rules and do this and do that and cross that T and dot that I. He came and said, look, Just come and be close to me. Walk where I walk. Look what I do. See how I treated those around me. What did I do with the poor? What did I do with those who were lost? What did I do with those that are broken? What did I do with those who who were self-righteous? By the way, that doesn't mean that Jesus is always super kind to people. Matter of fact, the Pharisees, he got in their face, called them whitewashed tombs. By the way, call your friend a whitewashed tomb. See how that goes. But he was true and right and good. You ever are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, I love this, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So let me just understand that. Um, This thing, this vessel, is fighting me. Is it fighting you? Is it fighting you? Man. man, it's just wear and tear and gravity and sun damage. Now we're not supposed to have sunscreen because we're killing the coral. I don't know what we're supposed to do. But this thing is fighting us. I told you many times, I am old enough now that I go to sleep fine and somehow by sleeping, I pull a muscle. Anyone else with me on that one? You're like, I, I felt pretty good when I went to bed. I don't know who I fought last night, but man. And you wake up, you're like, what just happened? That is God going, you're not meant for this world. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, listen, this thing is going to fight this fight to the death. I'm telling you, when I, I, I've said this before, I'm, I'm going to go do the best I can. When I was young, uh, the David Bathsheba story, in my mind when I was young, I always thought that was when David was in his 20s, 30s. You know, do you know what that happened to David? You know how old he was? He was 60. I'm 51. 
I'm like, man, after God's own heart, he made it past like there's a wisdom stage you get to and then none of this stuff affects you anymore. Nope. We fight this till we take our last breath, folks. We fight this. Our body wants what it wants. The flesh wants what it wants. And we, to the very last, have got to say, I'm going to feed this dog of my spirit and of the spirit that lives in me. But Christ is in you, although the body is dead to sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Therefore, I can, in this broken body, still live a life. By the way, and Christ says, to the full. To the full. Even though this thing is fighting me. Even though it has urges and wants, and even though it wants to take me in places I don't want to go, I have to say, no, God, do not let this flesh be the driving force. Let me have the spirit that you have put within me be the driving force. Let me live by that spirit, by that desire to become more like you, to look like you, to act like you, to walk like you, to talk like you, to live like you, to give like you, to try like you. Let me be that. Because the spirit of life, because of righteousness. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and that's the question you have got to do, is have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you invited the Holy Spirit into your life to say, please take residence, start cleaning out. And by the way, you give him the keys to the closets that no one else is supposed to know about. I say, please start cleaning the house. If the spirit of of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The life you want to live, listen to me, the life you dream about living is, is accomplished, yes, even in this broken vessel, through the Spirit. You can have peace. You can have assurance. Yes, as parts fall off, you can still have peace and assurance. And you can win the victory and have the life you're looking at. That's what Paul's saying. Yeah, I know what a wicked man I am. But greater that is in me than he who's in the world. Folks, does the Spirit dwell in you? And when you wake up in the morning, which dog are you feeding? It wasn't the law's fault, it's ours. And when I mess up, it's not Christ's fault, it's me. He's given me all grace and all hope and all joy and all justification. He's given me all those things. He doesn't turn his back on me when I sin. He picks me up. He dusts me off. I say, come on, let's go. Let's keep going towards. Let's keep going towards where we're supposed to go. He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So the days I have, and I know that today we are underlined under the fact that we don't know how many days we have. Folks, I am, I'm just a shock. 
But the days we have need to be like what I saw Miguel live. We walk towards the Spirit. Is Miguel perfect? No. Did he make mistakes? Yes. Did he own them? Yes. Did he give them over to Jesus? Yes. Did he wake up the next day and try to walk towards Jesus? Yes. And that, let me tell you something, is a life worth lived. And it's a life worth living. Some of you need to understand that today. Folks, this is just the first 11 verses of an amazing chapter that we're going to walk through for the next, this week and the next three weeks. So many good things are about to come up. But they're foundational. They're foundational as to whether or not you're going to live by the Spirit or by your flesh. And sadly, it's no one's choice but yours. No one can do it for you. People can pray for you. People can lead you. People can guide you. They can nudge you. They can encourage you. But at the end of the day, it's you. And the choices you make in the inner part of your soul to say today, I will live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, on a day that is just so heavy,